Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocery and the Beer Store. Marinero, the sick podcast today is a treat. It's a real treat. Why? Because I remember Miracle on Ice like it was yesterday. And I was only seven and a half years old or eight years old or whatever it was, born in 1972. I remember like it was yesterday. I love the movie. I watch the highlights all the time. And joining me right now was the assistant coach and assistant GM of Team USA in the 1980 Olympics, Craig Patrick, how are you? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me on. You're very, very welcome. It's so good to see you. It's so good to talk to you. Uh, an NHL career as a player from 1971 to 1979. Uh, GM of the New York Rangers, a coach for a couple of seasons. GM of the Penguins, a coach for a couple of seasons. You're still in scouting right now. You were at the Olympics back in 2002 as well. If I rattle off everything you accomplished with your career, uh, we're going to go on for about an hour. So I'll stop here, okay? That's fine. Yeah, thank you. You must be so proud of the career you've had. I, I feel very fortunate for sure. Yes. It's uh, it's amazing. It's It really is amazing. You aren't, you're still scouting for the Penguins, correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you're still going, huh? You enjoying it? Oh, very much. I'm only 75. I got a ways to go yet. So you're right about that. You're right about that. It's a sick podcast and it's brought to you by Cherry River Heart Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, no preservatives now available in Quebec grocery stores and at the beer store. Not only are you scouting on the pro side for the Penguins, you are the commissioner of three ice. I know a little bit about it. I know it's three on three hockey. I know EJ Johnston, but talk to me about it. Uh, talk to me about Three ice. Well, it's um, it's you know you know Eddie Johnson who played goaltender and for the Bruins and won a couple of cups and then got into coaching and managing. Uh, who's in, and he worked with us with the Penguins, and it's his son EJ that uh, got into the got the idea because he, uh, he he's, he's been in TV he's been on the marketing side of things through his life and he went to training camp and saw the training camp format where they do three on three in most training camps nowadays and he said the fans got so into it and were so excited about it that he, he thought this could be a good thing we could do as a league and so for the last four years he's been putting it together he asked me to help him out about two years ago and uh, now we're coming up on the, the time when we're going to drop the puck on June 18th so we're all excited about it oh I know Eddie Johnston pretty well uh, being from Montreal of course and his buddy mm -hmm. Paul Sowney talks to me about him all the time. Swears by Eddie Johnston. <laughs> He's a great man. A great yeah. man. Yeah, he really is. All right. Okay. So talk to me about some of the people associated with the league because you got some, you brought in some big names there. Yeah, we've, we've got uh, Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, D. Carbonell from, you know him well. Yeah. I think, he, I think he was on your podcast recently. He was. Yeah. And uh, we got Brian Trache, Grant Fuhrer, uh, Joey Mullen. John LeClaire, uh, 
and uh, Larry Murphy. Larry Murphy, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. That's a pretty cool list. Yes. All the best. So, so the league was supposed to start up three on three hockey, and um, th- there was a pause, of course, because of everything that's going on in the world in COVID. But if all goes well, the season opens up on the 18th of June. That's correct. Where are the games going to be played? We're going to play. We've got uh, it's, it's eight weekends regular season and the playoffs uh, are the ninth weekend, and we'll play two of them. To start the, start it in Vegas and finish it in Vegas. We'll be in Quebec City. We'll be in London, Ontario. We'll be in uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Nashville, uh, Grand Rapids, uh, Hershey, Denver. Uh, so we've got we've got some good cities to go to. Yeah. No Montreal yet. No, we, we, we looked at Montreal, and because, uh, but we decided to Quebec, we wanted to go to Quebec City the first year. All right, pretty cool. I look forward to watching it because I have to tell you, as much as hockey is five-on-five, five, when I watch three-on-three three hockey and I watch that, that open ice and I see some of these young, amazing skaters and very talented players nowadays, sometimes I actually get myself wishing that hockey was three-a-side instead of five-a-side but don't get me wrong. I love the five aside, but I guess I'm trying to tell you, I also love the three aside. Yeah. Five on five hockey is great. Um, the three on three hockey uh, opens the door for some people that don't really fit the five on five game. The uh, s- smaller, speedy, more skilled guy that doesn't function well in corners. Uh, but with all the ice that they have to maneuver, maneuver three on three, they can, they can show all their skills at, at will. And uh, it's, it's going to be a very interesting concept and uh, exciting for the fans i think well i know i know if i was 25 i'd be signing up to play for this league yeah you know it's 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 pretty cool when you think about it you just said you know so many players that uh dreamt of playing in the national hockey league and unfortunately because of their size or whatnot it just never happened and now a league like this and they can showcase their talent they too will be living a dream it's pretty cool it's pretty amazing yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it, and uh, and and they'll, the players will enjoy it a lot. Craig, I've been uh, I've been thinking about you a lot lately because uh, a couple of weeks ago it was announced that you know the National Hockey League were would not send their players to the Olympics, and um, the first thing I thought about was the 1980 Miracle on Ice team, which uh, was a team mostly made up of amateurs, so uh, and amateur players. So when when teams are going to be going to the Olympics now and they're going to be putting together their team, can you take me back to the 1980 Olympics and Hugh, uh, you and Herb Brooks and, and, and the rest of the, the management team and all the coaches and stuff like that, some of the thought process of, of, of choosing the team and, and putting the, that team together? Yeah, well, I mean, that was, that was Herbie really. He, he'd been, he knew it. He had everything planned out a year in advance. He knew what kind of player he wanted. He went around the country looking for them. Um, when he hired me in May, we hadn't had tryouts yet. And he sat me down and said, Craig, the guys that are going to be on this team, because he had the team already picked in his mind, he said, they don't like each other. And he said that they've been fighting for national championships and they just don't like each other. And uh, the only way I know how to make them a team is for to treat them all the same, but be tough on them. And I, I want them to kind of revolt against me, against Herbie. 
And he said, Craig, your job is just to keep all the pieces together. That's all you got to do is keep the pieces together because I'm going to be hired on them. I'm going to push them. And I'm going to, I want them to, to resent me a little bit. So how many fires did you have to put out? Uh, you know what? It worked out really, really well because I had I had played in the World Championships in 79 and Herb was coaching. And I played with a bunch of the guys. So I knew them from my playing days. And it worked out really well. They came to me with any issue they ever had. And, uh, and fortunately for me, they made me assistant GM because uh, the general manager worked at the Mayo Clinic and didn't have time to do all the day-to-day duties as a general manager. So I had to take care of their families. I, I, so it made it really easy for me to do my job because I, was, I had to take care of all their needs all, all every day. At any point during uh, the preparation, during the Olympics, uh, did Herb Brooks say something, do something um, that you said to yourself, this guy's lost his mind? <laughs> um I was his roommate for seven months. He was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any player did you think along the way, oh, my God, he, he's lost this player. We're never going to get him back. No. Be, the players really wanted to be on that team. They would have put up with anything. They really wanted to be part of that team. So but they they would have done anything to stay there. I, I love the movie uh, Miracle. It's it's my favorite hockey movie out there. I've said that before. I'll say it again. How realistic was that to the way it went down? It was it – was, the storyline is perfect. They changed a few things because we were together for seven months and they had to speed the story up for the movie. But did, at the end of the day, Disney did a great job telling the story. The storyline is perfect. And Herb was there for all the directing of it. And uh, so it, it was It was really well done, in my opinion. Craig, I guess when you're involved in hockey, you're coaching, assistant coach, GM, assistant GM, you're directly involved. Do you, is it in your nature to always think that you're going to win? And the reason why I ask you is because no one thought that that team was going to win. No one gave that team a chance. But when you're directly involved, do you think like the average person thinks and like the average fan thinks, or do you think we're going to do this? We're going to win. We're going to pull off a miracle. Yeah. I, fortunately for me, uh, I went to, I went to high school in Montreal. We, I won two city championships there. I went to the University of Denver, won two national championships there. Uh, I, I've been in situations where winning has, has come along the road. And uh, I always think we're going to win no matter what. So. So, so what was, so, so take me into that game versus the Soviet union, right? Before the game, I know you're saying now that you thought you were going to win, but can you begin to put into words what you were, what you were feeling and what you were going through as the game was getting closer and closer? Well, we, we, we had played, we'd, we'd only played that team, the, the, Red Army team once before in Madison Square Garden, like a week before the Olympics, and they beat us ten to three. But to be to be honest, our guys didn't play the first half of the game. They were, they were watching because we we played Russian teams, but we never played that team. And we just watched. We watched them do all their dangle, dangling and whatever they do. They they were crazy. But uh, so we're down seven nothing halfway through the game. Oh my god. <laughs> Then we started to skate with them and play with them, and it was 3-3 the rest of the game. So that gave us some hope that, you know, we, we can beat this team. 
And uh, the Russians that I've gotten to know over the years that we that played for that Red Army team always tell me, they said, we never thought you guys could skate with us. But I can tell you this, we were the best conditioned team on the planet that year by far. We heard trained them so hard and had them had the game plan so set that we were the best conditioned, best taught team on the planet. So when, I, so when I go back and watch Miracle and Herb skated them after a game and uh, they wanted to close down the arena and he said, I'll close. And, and some of the guys were exhausted. Some of them felt like they were going to be sick and he was skating them over and over and over and over again. That was pretty accurate. That happened. Yeah, absolutely. I was the one trying to get the manager to stay and uh, while Herbie was skating him. I wasn't blowing the whistle like they had me in the movie, but Herb was blowing the whistle and he skated him and skated him. What happened was we ended up, we ended the game tied two to two and it was Norwegian team. And it shouldn't have been two to two. That's was unacceptable. Yeah. We go back in the dressing room and Herb walks in and I'm in the room and he says, you know, the first thing a player does, he goes on to take his skates off and he, they're all down, take loosening their skates. And he walks in, he says, don't take anything off. And they all, they, they looked up and then he, he left, just left. And they looked at me and said, well, what does that mean, Craig? I, said, I guess leave your stuff on. I don't, I don't know what it means, but he waited for the building to empty. Then he came back in the locker room and said, back on the ice. Wow. And started skating him. And the guys that played for him in Minnesota had, at the University of Minnesota had gone through that before, but none of the other guys had. So they didn't know what to expect. And they just skated and skated and skated. And I'm talking to the rink manager because he said, I got to go home. I got kids. I, gotta, I can't stay here all night. And I said, well, go home. He said, well, I got to turn the lights on. I said, well, turn the lights out. We'll shut the doors. And sure enough, he left, turned the lights out, and the guys kept, Herbie kept skating him in the dark. So you said to me that Herb Brooks, already a year in advance, had the team already in his head. He already had it on paper. He already knew what kind of team he wanted. Absolutely. If I fast, you know, if we fast forward, we look at today, 2022. The way you build the team to win a gold medal at the Olympics in 1980, is it the same way you build a team to win the gold medal in 2022? I would have to adventure, yes. Um, It's... It's interesting now that the NHL players can't play, but there's lots of good players out there and it's, it's going to be a great tournament and it's, you've got to build a team that can skate and have the skill to, and have the conditioning to compete with everybody else. All right. And, and, you know, he built a team with a lot of players that he knew, obviously too, type of thing that played for him. He, he had some that played for him. Yes. Yeah. But he, he went or he picked, there was, when we went to the, we are the tryouts for the Olympics were they call it a national sports festival. And it was in Colorado Springs and it was in July. And he, he had a, the team picked in May. So now we're going in July where I'm watching all these kids play. And I had, I had been away from amateur hockey for 10 years. And I was amazed at the talent level really in, in, in 1970, July of 1979, the talent level in the United States was pretty darn good. And I hadn't a clue how good it was. And I saw some of these guys playing. I'm going, whoa! But he didn't. He didn't pick the best ones. There were some kids that were really talented. He did, he he didn't pick them. He picked guys that he wanted. To, that I think picked guys 
that he knew could put up with his his uh, program, the, the approach he was going to take, which was going to be hard on him. And he needed guys that could handle it. So you're playing the Soviets. You're down by a score of three to two. You tie it at three. And the Mike Ruzioni goal. Mm-hmm. I'll take you back to it right now. Snyder, buzz, long slap shot, saved by Mushkin. The U.S. team is depending a little bit too much now on Jim Craig. He's making too many good saves. Ruzioni! Mike Ruzioni! I guess you get you never get tired of seeing that, eh? Never, never get tired of that. No. Ruzioni picks up the puck. I'm sure you can remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking goal? No, not from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but he scored. Mike's had a pretty good life after scoring that goal. He's still doing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, speaking engagements today and stuff like that. And and yeah, he did. So now you score and you're up by a score of four to three. Um, now they're taking you for real. They probably were before that anyway. How much panic? nervousness sets in or not i don't i don't think herb just kept walking back and forth on the bench saying don't change a thing play your game play your game he kept everything pretty calm just play your game and he just repeated that up and down the bench the last 10 minutes of the game and it's funny i asked that question but in the end it was actually the soviet union that looked like they were panicking because they didn't expect to be in that position and they kind of didn't know how to react yeah, well, you know, they didn't. I agree with you. They, they didn't know how to react. To this day, when you think that they didn't pull their goalie, you think what? <laughs> I don't know why they pulled their goalie. That's for sure. I don't, you know, tra- why would you pull Tretiak? Well, okay, so first things first, they pull Tretiak and they bring in Michigan. Yeah. And now you guys are like one of the best goalies in the world just got pulled. And then at the end, with the score 4-3 for Team USA, they don't bring their goalie to the bench. Right. I mean, did they – was probably not the best coach game they ever had, huh? I Yeah, I would have to say that wasn't – that was poor, poor decision-making. All right. And then you win that one, and you go to the gold medal game versus Finland. Here are the images. What did – what did that moment mean to you? You're there. The game is over. You've beat Finland. You've won Olympic gold. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was awesome to 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 be there, be part of that. Um, we had we we had no idea what was really happening around the country. We had no earthly idea, and now it's what forty two years later, and it's still still a big deal. And uh, we we were we were not really in the Olympic Village because we were, we were in trailers, four guys to a trailer just on the edge of the Olympic Village, so we could go in for meals and all that. But we didn't have TVs, we didn't have news, we didn't see any. We had no idea what was going on. Uh, we were getting we were getting some back in those days the Western Union those yellow telegrams. You probably don't remember them. Yeah, yeah, I remember them. I remember them. But we're getting those, and it was my job to put them up on the tape them on the wall outside the locker room. And we should have had some idea of this following we were getting, but in reality, we had no clue. 
know, so so now the president calls Sunday night after we win and says, "Hey, we want you to come down to the White House." He send he sends up Air Force One and Eric Hyden, who won I think six gold medals. He came with us, and on Air Force One down to Andrews Air Force Base, and from Andrews Air Force Base to the White House, the road was packed on both sides of the road. And it's not a short drive. It's a pretty good drive. Ten people deep on both sides, waving flags, screaming. And we're in limousines now. Wow. We arrived in Lake Placid on a school bus and left an Air Force One. So, that, I mean, we're just like, well, what's going on here? We were, we were shocked. That's amazing. What, a, uh, what was the celebration like in 1980? When you, you beat the Soviet Union, I can still remember Al, uh, Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. And then after that, of course, uh, you win Olympic gold and, and you beat Finland. What's the celebration like in the room? And were you concerned going into that final game versus Finland that you gave everything you had to give versus the Soviet Union, that, that there was going to be a little bit of a letdown? Was that a, at all a concern? It, it was a concern for sure. Um, and we were down three to one. or no, We were down two to one uh, after the second period. We're, we're, they were, Finland was beating us. And Herb went and gave a speech. Uh, and it was pretty, really, really a good speech. And then we go back out in the hallway and he, he turns to me and says, Craig, they're not, they stopped listening to me. They're not listening to me. You go talk to them. I'm like, well, me? What am I going to Like, you're, you're the master motivator. What am, what am I going to Wow. Wow. So, so I went if you can, if you can, if you don't mind, what did Herb tell them? What was his speech? And then Please tell me what the you bottom told. line is if they lost the game, they take it to their grave. Wow. That, was, that was the message. And uh, so he sent me in. I, I, I walked in, got in the middle of the room, said, hey, I said two words. I said, hey, guys. And they all jumped up and started yelling at me. Shut up, Craig. We, we didn't come all this way for seven months and let the Finns beat us. That's not going to happen. And they're screaming, yelling, yelling. And so I go back out in the hall and Herb said, how'd it go on? We're good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So you win gold. And then uh, 1980, you joined the New York Rangers as a, a director of hockey operations. And uh, the following year, you become their GM, I believe the youngest GM in New York Rangers history. And it's funny because uh, I'm in Montreal and the Canadians hired about a month ago, Jeff Gordon to be the executive vice president of hockey operations. Mm -hmm. And he hired Kent Hughes mm -hmm. as the 18th general manager in Montreal Canadians history. And I'm going to talk to you about Kent Hughes in a second, but um, working for the Rangers, how, you know, how much pressure is it working for the Rangers or when you've, you go to the Olympics um, and you went through what you went through everything else is a little easier? No, no, no. Um, New York was very interesting place. I was young. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Freddie Sherrill was the coach and GM, um, but he, he didn't really want to be the, do the general manager's duties. He wanted to focus on coaching. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, we didn't get a good start that year and they let Freddie go. And then they came to me and said, okay, what are you going to do now? And I went, well, oh. <laughs> so I'll get Herb Brooks to coach. But Herb, Herb couldn't come. He was over in DeVos, Switzerland. So uh, I said, I said I'll said i coach the rest of the year, and I'll get Herb in the summer. 
and it turned out we did pretty well that year. Got got to the uh, semifinals, but the Islanders beat us. And um, it was, I mean, I was young and naive uh, for sure. Uh, and, and dealing with the media was not my forte, certainly then, and maybe not now. I think it's going great. <laughs> but um, it was a great experience. I'm, I'm glad I had that opportunity to do that. My, my, my family, my grandfather was there for 22 years as a general manager and coach. And, uh, it, was, it was a real treat to, to be able to step into those shoes and, and be there. Uh, but what I learned uh, while I was there was that I could do the, I could do this job in the NHL. And uh, I, they let me go. And I fortunately was able to catch on with Pittsburgh not too long after that. And, but I knew I could be successful as a general manager because of my experience in New York. GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins from 1989 to 2006, you get there. And the number one centerman and the best player on the team is Mario Lemieux. It's a good way to start. Not a bad way to start. (laughs) I never never get enough of Mario's stories. You had a chance to see Mario Lemieux as the GM of the Penguins throughout the prime of his career. Mm -hmm. You won a cup in 91. You won a cup in 92. Out of all the amazing things that Mario did, which one stands out the most for you where you said, oh, my mother of God. Wow. There, there are many of those. I, I, I've, he's, he, was, he was an amazing hockey player, amazing athlete. Um, what he could do with a puck. I mean, if he had a, a hole that he had to turn the puck sideways to get it in, he'd, he'd turn the puck sideways somehow. I don't know how he – I don't know how he, he – I don't know how he, Anybody could do what he did with the puck. It was it was amazing, and uh, he went through a lot of health issues. And the way he kept coming back, my first year there, I was I I, uh, I was I was coaching GM to start, and he literally had to grab his pant leg to lift his leg over the boards to get on the ice because his back was that bad. But he went out and performed like there was nothing wrong with him. Wow. Mario Lemieux, if you want to pick up his jersey or Penguins jersey or any jersey, any team, sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our sick merchandise as well. Use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items. It's funny. I'm talking about Mario Lemieux, and I'm wearing a shirt that says double shift your best players. I would double shift him for sure. You win the cup in 91 and 92, and, and you know, what a relief for Mario Lemieux who – you know, the comparisons were there with Gretzky all the time. And until Mario won a cup, he wasn't going to get more credit than that, right? right? But he pulls that off. And so talk to me about Mario winning that cup in 91, how it felt for him and how it felt for you. I was, well, I, obviously I was thrilled for myself, but I was really happy for Mario because we were able to, put together a team that, that could really support him and, and allow him to be as great as he could be. And uh, it was, I was really happy for, for all the players, but Mario especially. Drafting is such an important part of the game today because 
you know, usually unrestricted free agency, you're, you're overpaying, um, trade deadline day. A lot of teams, you know, um, they won't go, they won't do that much because you don't know if the player you bring in, the bigger moves are usually made in the summer. There's the salary cap, which makes things a lot more difficult to, to, to trade players nowadays. You're drafting, if I think back, Jagger, Straka, Nasland, and we'll talk about uh, Flurry, Malkin, and Crosby a little bit later, but you drafted some great players as GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, what's the secret if there's one? I don't, I don't, it's just, um, I, I, I think being in the right place at the right time. Um, so let me ask you this, Jagger at five, was that the right place at the right time? Or did you know going into the draft that even if you would have had the third pick, you would have picked Jagger? If we had the first pick, we would have picked Jagger. Wow. We, he was number one on our list. Uh, and I'll go back when, when I was with the Rangers we had Brian Leach number one on our list and we got him at number nine. So, I mean, it, it's, it, again, it's kind of, you got to where you are and where, where you, how your, your list fares with everybody else's. It's just kind of a, you got to be lucky really. So without giving away all your trade secrets, we're, we're here in Montreal and a lot of Canadians fans are pretty disappointed that the Canadians are last overall in the league, but, What's what's your opinion on 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 drafting and player development? I mean, can you give away a secret or two? Uh, like like let me let me ask you this, Craig. Yeah. You draft a player in the first round. Let's say you draft them third overall, fourth overall. It's a young league. Some players can play in the NHL right away at 18 years of age, and other players cannot. Some say that you can develop in the National Hockey League and learn, and some say the development is at the American Hockey League level. What's what's your philosophy on that? I think it, it really depends on the personality of the player, whether they can handle uh, like being in the NHL at, at at eighteen years old. Like Jager could, Brian Leach couldn't, uh, Mark Andre Fleury probably could have, but unfortunately, his contract. We didn't have the money to pay a, a bonus if he played twenty five games, so we couldn't keep him for. We kept him for 24 games and then put that, him to junior. So it was that was like, a business deal. Yeah, unfortunately, but it's, uh, but he, he could have, he probably could have, if we didn't have that clause in his contract, he probably could have done well at 18. So you win your two cups in 91 and 92, 93 happens. The Montreal Canadians win the cup. I remember that one like it was yesterday because mm-hmm. pretty much everyone thought the the Penguins were going to three-peat. Mm-hmm. Take me back to that loss versus the Islanders, and was it David Volek, I think? David Volek. In you overtime, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you did you at the time think that you were going to three-peat? Yes, definitely. We, we, we'd won the President's Trophy. Won, we'd won, I think we finished the season winning 17 straight games. We were, we were on a roll, and didn't happen, though. Can you... Can you when you look back, can you kind of explain what happened or it's just one of those things where it's hockey and anything can happen and that's just the way it went down? Well, uh, I think Glenn Healy was the Islanders goaltender and I think we threw 60-something shots at him. I think that's what happened. You got goalied. 
Yeah, we got goalied. But I know Lyle O'Line's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And he, he he's a good guy. Yeah. He he told me, he said, we watched we watched that game. And when the Islanders beat you, we were cheering in our locker room. Because then he they he said we knew we could win the cup then. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah. So then uh like like every team does after you win the cup, at one point you start to go down a little bit because you got to trade away some players and stuff like that. And uh, I believe you missed the playoffs for four consecutive seasons, but you decide to rebuild the team and uh, go through a rebuild. And Flurry gets drafted first, Malkin second. You win the lottery for Crosby and you get him at first. In your opinion, at one point to win the cup and there are some teams that have won the cup without rebuilding, but is that the best chance of winning the cup is a rebuild at the right time when there are great players available in that particular draft or those particular drafts? Well, if, if you're not fortunate to, we didn't have the finances. It started like mid nineties. We, yeah. we had to start selling players. Correct. Uh, and that's not the way to do business. And fortunately, in today's world, you don't have to do that. But, but it still is probably it's more complicated today than it was back then. But um, if we were we were fortunate in the drafts for sure, we traded up to get Flurry, uh, and then we oh, we were going to pick second, no matter what, with the uh, Malkin, and then we got the lottery. So. And and we got Latang in that draft with uh, in Crosby's draft as well. So we we were we were fortunate uh, to get some of those guys. And they they've now they've won three cups. Those guys. So. Players were added to those young players so that they could show them away. And um, how important is that? Like, is there is there a danger of having? Uh, doing a rebuild and having just young players is it important to keep some veterans around? Definitely, you've got, you've got to have the the strong leader, uh, veteran leadership to show show them what it takes to be successful. How you have to work, and how you have to live your daily life. It's uh, you need veteran guys for sure. You need veteran guys that want to stick around too, though, right? Because right. once they know that you're going rebuild and they're not going to win the cup for three or four years. Some players would rather be somewhere else, right? Have to have the right kind of people for sure. I uh, I, I want to talk to you uh, about the Canadians because here I am in Montreal, and once again I mentioned that they they hired Kent Hughes as general manager. Were you surprised? Because in the National Hockey League, it seems like a lot of executives get um, they keep coming back and they end up from one team to another to another, and the Canadians went outside the box here and hired an agent who's never been an NHL GM, never been an assistant general manager, never been an NHL coach or scout or assistant or anything. Are you surprised at all that they went that Avenue? No, no. There's, um, there's, a, there's examples of Brian Burke was an agent. Yeah. Uh, there's been examples of people that were, were good agents and became good general managers. So I think, I think it's a good hiring. I think they did a, a, a smart thing. He knows the game. He, he, he's had some great clients. He knows what it takes to be a great player. I think it's a good hiring. 
Is there a disadvantage that you would see as an agent becoming a general manager? No, I don't see one. Uh, what would be the biggest advantage in your opinion? Uh, well, he's been in the game a long, long time. He's seen a lot. He's probably, he probably knows a lot more about the game than a lot of gyms in the league right now. So uh, he's got to, it's, it's, it's all about the experience and he's got it. As someone who was once upon a time, a director of hockey operations, um, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Montreal Canadiens, says that because Montreal is, is such a, a difficult market and the way he sees it, he, he sees a two-headed monster. So he went out and he hired Jeff Gordon as executive vice president of hockey ops. And now he has Kent Hughes as his general manager. Can that work? A two-headed monster or is the first hire and the person that you committed to, is that person ultimately the person that's in charge? Meaning Jeff Gordon. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not the person to answer that. I don't really. I'm, you got to know what's going on inside, what in in what the mindset is of everybody. Uh, I, I'm. It's very workable, but I don't know who who has. Let me thing. ask. Let me ask it this way: When you were director of hockey operations, um. For the Rangers, who was your GM at the time? Fred Shiro. Fred Shiro. Yeah. Uh, what was? How did you divide the tasks? Um, we we went. We were only together like twenty games. Uh, and okay. We got fired. Um, he 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 let me do all the general managers things. I talked to all the agents. I did. I did all the contracts. I did. I did what the general manager would do. So he just didn't want to do it. He, he wanted to focus on hockey. So he wanted to focus on coaching, I mean. And um, so that's that's how we worked it. But um, every every situation is different. Let me uh, let me end by talking to you about the Penguins now. Um, it's it's so great that you're still with the organization now and you're, you're scouting with them. Um, I have to tell you, from the outside, I looked at the Penguins and I said, okay, uh, with Crosby and Malkin, and of course with Fleury, but now Fleury's no longer there, but they've won their three cups with that core and with Latang. And at one point, you just kind of get old, and then you kind of kind of rebuild again. And they're still very, very competitive. Uh, they're really, really hot right now. And it looks like they still have another push, maybe even two left in them. I agree with you. I think that they're that, the, the people that have joined the organization as their, as their support staff. Or, that's a good support staff that they have here. I think in the way they play the game is uh, the coach has them playing the right way. It's gonna, They're going to be tough to deal with the rest of this year and beyond. What can you tell me about Sidney Crosby? Um, Mario Lemieux was there, one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, after Mario, it's Sid. He comes in, the pressure on him, too, to deliver a cup, the way there was pressure on Mario. Just the way he's conducted himself his entire career, um, never any controversy, no scandal. I have so much respect for this athlete. Yes. He's, I've never seen anybody work harder than him. Off the ice, on the ice. He just – he's guys try to stay with him. The young guys come in, they say, oh, I, I can train with – I can train with Sid. 
they don't make it. They, they, I mean, they can't, they can, I don't mean they don't make it. They just can't keep up to him. So they, he, they start with him in the beginning of the year and halfway through the year, they're off on their own program because they can't do what he does. Last one for you. Uh, I know he's a rival of the Penguins, but uh, it's been a friendly uh, uh, rivalry over the years with the Capitals. But if I would have told you um, that Alexander Ovechkin was going to score at the rate that he's scoring and would have a chance to beat Wayne Gretzky's goal-scoring record of 894 goals, if I would have told you that a couple of years ago, you would have thought what? I would have thought you were nuts. But he's doing it. Do you think he's going to break it? I don't know. He's 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 going to get close for sure. It's pretty amazing, huh? It is. It is amazing. What a great league, you know, with with so many great young players in the league too. It's uh the league has never been younger, it's never been faster, and uh I'm just I'm happy that you're still in the game, Craig Patrick. You, you look great and everywhere you go, uh gold medals and uh and cups have followed. So uh all the best to you with the Penguins, all the best to you with Three Ice. I told you before, I love three-on-three hockey, and I'm sure this is going to be a lot of fun for the fans. It gets started in the middle of June. Absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be really fan-friendly and uh, exciting. You're sure. the commissioner. Are you going to be going around from city to city? Are you going to be following? I'll be there every day. Yeah. I, I look forward to catching up with you in Quebec City. Okay, perfect, Tony. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's the Sick Podcast. He is the commissioner of Three Ice. He is the great Craig Patrick. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Sick Podcast and join our YouTube channel. Subscribe. It's absolutely for free. Craig, once again, be well, be safe. All the health to you. All the best. You too, Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you have it. The great Craig Patrick. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocer and The Beer Store.